in your Bible, 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter number 16, 1 Kings chapter 16, and uh, if you'll hurry and turn there, I'll hurry and get through, and uh, you ready? All right, 1 Kings 16, all right, it's a good day the Lord hath made, let us rejoice and be glad in it, amen? I'm so glad you're here today. Now I want to preach this message from a positive standpoint, okay? I don't want to be negative at all. I just want to preach this from a positive standpoint. Chapter 16, 1 Kings, verse number 30. I began reading for you. And uh, if you have that place, I'd like for you to try to find James in the New Testament James chapter 5, James chapter 5. You can hold it like this if you'd like, or you can do any way you want to. Or you can borrow paper clips from me and you can paper clip it. That way I can find it, all right? The Bible says, and Ahab, and Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. What a testimony. 1 Kings 16, verse 30. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. That he took a wife, took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbel, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. What a testimony for a political leader of one of the greatest nations ever to be on earth. He provoked God to anger. He did more evil the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. Sin always carries its consequences. Look at chapter 17, verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. What a cocky preacher. He goes to the political potentate who is wrapped up, steeped in idolatry above everybody before him. And the preacher confronts this political monarchy, the king, and said, Slick, you are in trouble. 
because of your sin and your wickedness, I'm going to pray and it's going to rain in Israel for three years and six months. Seems like it's been that long since it rained in Texas. James chapter 5, verse 17. Elias, or Elijah, was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. I don't know what a three year, three and a half year drought would do in Israel, but I have a general idea of what it might do in Texas. It might cause some animosity it might cause some anxiety. It might even cause a drought. And a drought might bring a famine. And a famine might cause economic collapse. I'm sure we could hear all about what's happening on the television this evening about news time. I'm sure there would be some name calling. It's your fault. No, it's your fault. No, it's the Democrats' fault. No, it's Republicans' fault. No, it's the socialist's fault. No, it's the capitalist's fault. No, uh, I tell you, it's got to be Trump's fault. The media would have been having a heyday. Politics had become so corrupt and so selfish and so greedy. You'll see in 1 Kings 21 that it didn't make any difference who owned the land. If Ahab wanted it, Jezebel would get it. And Nabob lost his property. They might call it, well, let's go on. Idolatry was commonplace. And I wonder with all that is going on with the idolatry, with the economy, with the drought, with the famine and no food, people starving to death, I'm sure there was blame and I'm sure there was finger pointing and I'm sure there's a problem. But could I please ask you a question? Was the problem really the drought or lack of food? Was there an underlying issue? And if so, was there a solution to the problem? I see a lot of finger pointing today on television. 
It's nobody's fault, don't seem like. Well, it's the past administration and the past administration before that and the past administration before that. Really, is there a problem in our land? Is there a problem in our homes? Is there a problem in our community? One motel in Burleson in the last three days they've arrested seven dope heads and pulled one body out of the motel in the last three days. Didn't see it on the news, did you? Trump didn't cause it, that's why. <laughs> Finger pointed. Finger pointed. Is there a problem in our homes? In our personal lives? Nervous breakdowns? Drug addicts? Although the doctor has prescribed them, that makes it legal to kill ourselves. Is there a problem, an underlying problem? Could all of this be one person's fault? I know Trump probably not perfect, but I don't think he's as bad as they have. Was there a, a deeper problem facing Israel and could there be a deeper problem facing America? You see, socialism cannot take over by fixing one problem at a time. The only way socialism can take over is to completely collapse capitalism. Are we a democracy? I hope not because when the democracy gets one-sided, then the majority rules the minority. That's a democracy. Is there a problem? Well, what is it? What was the problem in Elijah's day? Sure, there were superficial and things that we could see and things that was on television. I think I found the problem last week. Chapter 18 and verse 30. I'd like to continue what I started last week. Watch this. Here's the problem. Verse 30. The altar of the Lord was broken down. I do not want to be negative 
Could I please ask you, how's the altar in your life? What place in our life does the altar of God consume? How and in what condition is the altar of God at Joshua Baptist Church? Is the altar in America broken down? Is our problem political or spiritual? How much attention are we given to the altar in our personal life? Think maybe I hit a rabbit. Years ago, I was in evangelism. You'd never guess that as withdrawn as I am. And I'd go to churches all over America. I'd drive all day Saturday to start a meeting on Sunday and preach through Friday and drive all day Saturday to start another meeting on Sunday. In four years, I preached 200 meetings. I'd go into the church and we'd look at folks over here and they'd be mad. And there'd be folks on this side smiling. They were glad that they were mad. <laughs> and so I did not know what to preach. But when I was a kid... I used to do a lot of rabbit hunting with me father. And my dad said, son, if you don't know what you're hunting, just go through the woods and find a hole. Cock one barrel on your shotgun and shoot in the hole. And if something runs out, shoot it. I think something ran out a while ago. So I'm going to shoot it. We need to repair the altars in America. We need to repair the altars of God in our life. We need to repair the altars of God in our church. The altars, I talked about last week, repairing the altars of preaching. You know what flesh don't like? Preaching. Preaching to those that are lost is foolishness. But unto those that are saved, it is the power of God. Flesh does not like to be told you are wrong. Flesh does not like to be yelled at, scolded, disciplined, or encouraged. Flesh does not like preaching. Why should you like to come down here and sit and let me tell you for an hour how sorry you are? You said, I can get that home to my wife free. And she don't take an offering. <laughs> so nobody, nobody, nobody in the flesh wants to hear preaching. But if anybody needs preaching, it's those who are living in the flesh. Because flesh will get you in trouble every time. 
Flesh has no conscience. Flesh has no remorse. Flesh, all flesh is interested in is flesh. And you need your flesh preached to on a regular basis. You need to bring your flesh to the church house, be in attendance and hear preaching. That's an altar that needs to be rekindled and built up again. We need to come to the house of God to be preached to. We need to come uh, with our attendance. We need to be attentive. Put your phone up. Nobody's going to go to hell while you're in here. You don't have to call them and tell them, look, I'll be over and win you to Christ after the service. The most nervous I see anybody in today's economy is when they misplace their phone. What in the world could we do without a phone? Find the power button, turn it off, and listen attentively to preaching. You say, I don't need it. That just proves how bad you do need it. Amen. Amen. Now, watch this. Let me show you another altar. And the Bible says, and boy, I love this. It's so wonderful when you get to these places. And the Bible says in chapter 18 and verse 42, So Ahab went up to eat and to drink. Chapter 18, verse 42. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. This must have been when he was a young man. (laughs) If I ever got my face between my knees, and you wanted to take a picture of my face, you'd have to do it from the hinder side. I'd never get it back again. And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. Did you ever pray? And it just seemed like you come up with nothing. And he said, go again seven times. Came to pass at the seventh time, he said, behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, go up, say unto Ahab, prepare thy chariot Make sure it's four-wheel drive. And get thee down that the rain stop thee not. It came to pass the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind. And there rose a great rain. Now I go back to James 5. James 5. James 5 and verse 18. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain. And the earth brought forth 
her fruit. If a man of like passion, such as we, can pray and get a hold of God and God shut up the heavens for three years and six months, and at that same man's prayer, he opens heaven and the rains come back. Let me ask you, how's the altar of prayer in your life? Is the altar of prayer broken down? Have we become too busy? To pray? Have we become too educated to sink back in the equated age of when we believe that God answers prayer? Have we become so polished and so comfortable that we can handle this job all by ourselves? Could I ask you a question? Are you praying? I mean regularly. Because in the book of James chapter 5 verse 16, it says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. Do you know the rest of it? Huh? Do you think maybe God could fix Trump? You're talking about him hadn't fixed him. Maybe you're talking to the wrong person. You think God could fix the Democrats? I don't think he could do the Republicans any good, but I, I just think maybe, do you think maybe God can handle this job? Do you think maybe the problem in America is really not political? Do you think maybe the problem is not in Washington? Do you think maybe the problem could not be in the White House? It might be in the church house. You say, well, I'm mad at you. I don't care. I said that positive. She knows that. How much time Have you and I spent an effectual, fervent prayer to God for our church this week, for our pastors this week, for our mate this week? Has your mate heard you say, Lord, thank you? For her. I think maybe if you would allow me to for just about, well, it looked like six minutes. I got a six minute sermon for you today on repairing the altars of prayer. May I say to you today, what our church needs today is not better and more machinery. What our church needs today is not a greater organization, not more novel methods by which we may grow and build buildings, 
but men and women through whom the Holy Ghost can flow and use for the glory of God. May I say what we need today is men and women of prayer, mighty in prayer. The Holy Ghost does not anoint methods. The Holy Ghost does not flow through means. The Holy Ghost of God flows through men to other men to win men to Jesus Christ. What we need today is men and women of prayer. He does not anoint plans, but he anoints men and women who pray. God bless your heart today. Do you realize how many promises there are in the word of God concerning prayer and what God can do? May I just remind you in the next two or three minutes, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. That's what God promised Jeremiah. Call unto me and I will answer thee. Can anybody stand to see some great and mighty things? You say, I've got a kid I can't control. Turn him over to God. God knows just which way to go and God knows which string to pull. You say, well, preacher, I got problems and I cannot, cannot even cannot imagine God knows all about those problems and God's in the great and mighty business. Did you know that God said, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. Got any land that the house need to be healed? America needs to be healed. America's divided straight down the middle. This one's not going to vote for that one and that one's not going to vote for this one. Let me tell you something. Our hope is not in the Supreme Court or the White House. Our hope is in Jesus Christ and him only. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords and we're not going to vote on him. He is the big dog in the kennel. Thank God for that, amen. I read the other day, for we know not what we should pray, for we, uh, for but we, the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Sometimes the best part of your praying is when your mouth is shut. Wouldn't it be something if we just went to prayer and shut up for a while and let God talk to us? I mean, just spend a little time confessing your sins. You said, I don't have any. You do now. (laughs) You said, preacher, I can't remember them. Why don't you just throw your mind into neutral and say, Lord, if you'll roll them by, I'll confess them. You say, I'm more of a 
generalization, universal kind of prayer. God, forgive me of all my sins. And God said, which one? <laughs> you say, well, not that one. That's too much fun, Lord. Pass another one by. You want to know what's wrong with your land? You want to know what happened to your smile? You want to know where your get up and go got? You know where all the joy of the salvation you got when you got saved went? It went the way your sin went. Because sin separates from godliness. Just promises in the word of God. All things whatsoever ye ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believing that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. If you abide in me and my words in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. For whatsoever ye ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son if you shall ask anything in my name I will do it hmm much you ever ask in the Father's name he will give it you hitherto have you asked nothing in my name and ask you shall receive that your joy may be full. How long has it been since you got so full of joy it had to run out all over somebody? I think they call it shouting. You say never. Maybe your altar's tore down. You say, I don't want to make a fool out of myself in church. You ever do it at a ball game? You ever do it at the dinner table? You ever made a fool out of yourself in front of your family? For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open under their prayers. The prayer of the upright is his delight. The Lord is nigh to all them that call upon him and all that call upon him in truth, he will fulfill the desire of them that fear him and also will hear their cry and will save them. This is the confidence we have in him. If we last anything according to his will, he heareth us. And we know that if he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we shall have the petitions we desire of him. How foolish that we're more interested in our credit score than we are our prayer score. By the way, you've got to pay the credit back. You don't the prayer. How are the altars, the prayer altar, in your life? Could that be the problem in America? Huh? It wasn't the drought, it wasn't the famine, it wasn't the idolatry, 
It was deeper than that in Israel's day. It was spiritual. It wasn't material. It was spiritual. And it was not physical. Some of you folks already got plans tonight. Do they include prayer? I dare you go home and ask God. Just go home and pray about coming to church tonight. Just go home and all that altar you've got spread all over the house. Just take the pieces and put it back together again. Then get on your knees. You say, you're making me mad now, preacher. Well, I'll not do that then because I don't want to make this crowd mad. How's your altar? You shouldn't have to pray about coming tonight. You say, well, I got something to do. I know that. We maybe just need to repair the altars. The altar of preaching. The altar of prayer. The Bible says in closing, men ought always to pray and not, you know the rest of it? And not to faint. If I'm not praying, more than likely, spiritually, I'm fainting. If my altar of prayer is broken down, then my entire spiritual life is going to be a total wreck. Pray. Pray fervently. The effectual fervent prayer. Pray as if you were hanging over a cliff, hanging on to a vine. And the roots are beginning to pull. The dirt is hitting you in the face. And nothing's left for you except plunge to death. Pray fervently that something would happen. I heard about a fellow who did that one day. And he started crying out to God for help. And God said, well, just turn loose. The guy hanging on for dear life said, hey! Is anybody else up there? Is that you? Looking for another solution? Pray fervently. Pray frequently. The Bible said pray without ceasing. Sitting in my office this morning, mind my own business. Fellow came in and sat in my office. And since he's paying for the chair, I thought that would be good. It's set in if he wants to. He said, Preacher, I just want to tell you something. I said, Okay. He said, I was having a terrible day yesterday. Everything was going wrong. I got too much business and I can't get it all done. And I just had a terrible attitude. Has anybody here ever had one of them kind of days? He said, finally, I just got sick of myself and pulled my truck over and just bowed my head and said, God, 
I am sorry. I complain when I ain't got any work. I complain when I got too much work. Lord, fix this. And he said, God just gave him a sweet spirit, started his truck, went on to work. Pray regularly. Hmm? Pray frequently. I close. Pray believing that God means what he says. Fill that altar up in your own personal life. Find you a place frequently. Get in your place frequently. The Bible said, Will not God avenge his elect who cry day and night unto him? Pray frequently. Pray fervently. Pray believing. If you have faith and doubt not, pray and it shall be done unto you. All things whatsoever you ask in prayer believing, ye shall receive. Pray for our country. Pray for our president. You said, I can't. Then pray for you until you can pray for the president. Pray for our church. Pray for your family. Pray for your pastors. I don't, you don't know this, but Andrew's having a terrible time with his head. They did a C-scan on the middle of the night and they said it's completely empty. <laughs> Andrew said, then why is it hurting so bad? And we had to go to uh, some place in Japan this week. My wife and drove overnight. Andrew was in the emergency room with tremendous, tremendous headaches and so forth and so on. Build your altar up. Pray for your church staff. I say this. Someone has said, God waits to do the will of a praying man. Think of that. God waits to do the will of a praying man. Prayer is a Christian's greatest privilege. Prayer is a Christian's greatest tool. Prayer is the Christian's greatest weapon. Prayer is a Christian's greatest opportunity. It's the key to God's storehouse from which flow all heavenly blessings. It's the key to the door the switch to God's power station. Prayer is the greatest work that any Christian can do. Like Samuel, we need to pray, God forbid that I should sin against God in seeking to pray for you. Let's build 
back the altar of prayer.